Well, good morning, and welcome again to First Baptist, and uh, I'm not Jeff Bedwell, as you can see. Uh, our pastor is away. Well, I do have the privilege to bring uh, God's Word to you, and as you saw from the video, we're going to be focusing on Psalm 19, uh, perhaps my favorite psalm of all uh, the 150 psalms that we have. But I want to <clears throat> start by asking you this question. God is speaking to you, but are you listening? Do you ever feel like your prayers never get much further than the ceiling? Do you feel like all you ever hear from God for your prayers is just silence? Have you prayed for something or asked God for direction and you pleaded and again you pray and you plead and you hear nothing? Just silence. Maybe this morning you're going through a storm. It could be a physical storm. It could be an emotional storm, a financial storm, a relational storm. But you're going through a storm and you're again crying out to God. And again, you're hearing silence. And you begin to wrongly conclude that maybe, maybe, maybe God is just is just a silent God. Maybe he is using his divine silence to not answer me. Well, this morning I want to tell you that God is speaking to you right now. Clearly, strongly. Now, he's not talking the same way he talked with his disciples and his followers. He doesn't talk that way. He can, but he doesn't. Most of the time, he does not do that. But he's talking to you, and his voice is strong, and his voice is clear. And this morning, I want to tell you that I know for a fact God is speaking to you. Now, listen to me. It's not in your notes. You may want to write this down. His voice, God's voice, is often not verbal, but visible. Let me say that one more time. God's voice is often not verbal. His voice is visible. You don't hear with your ears. You hear with your eyes. I know that sounds completely backwards for us, but that's how God mainly speaks is and we're going to look at how he declares himself, how he speaks. He speaks mainly, visibly, and not verbally. You know, wouldn't it be awesome if all of a sudden we just could know what God would say, would say to us and understand what God is trying to tell us? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could listen with our eyes and see and understand all the things of God? Because this world is a mess. I don't think anyone would argue with that. And we desperately need God. We need desperately to hear from God because he is the only hope for this world. And I love what uh, Anne Graham Lotz said. Um, she said, in these days of anger and fear, danger and division, turmoil and terrorism, what would happen if everyone hit life's pause button and made time to listen 
to what God has to say. And I would encourage you this morning to hit the pause button. Clear your mind. We're going to look at God's Word, this incredible psalm that we have, and we're going to see how God speaks to us. God so desires to have a personal relationship with you through His Son, Jesus Christ. He loves you far more than you possibly could ever understand. And he desperately wants to speak to you to help you with your problems, to help you restore broken relationships, and to give you direction for your life. He is speaking to you, but are you listening? And are you listening in the right way? Psalm 19. C.S. Lewis said it's the greatest psalm of the whole book. He also said it's the greatest lyrics ever written by mankind. And the emphasis of this psalm is on God's revelation. Not talking about the book of Revelation, but how God reveals himself. And this morning I want us to look at that and see how God speaks by the way he reveals himself in the sky, in the scriptures, and in our soul as we will plunge into this incredible passage. So the first thing that I want you to see is the glory of God in the sky. God speaks in his creation. He speaks through his creation. And we see that in these first six verses of Psalm. Let me read those to you. The heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech. There are no, there are, nor, nor there are words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving its chamber like a strong man running its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and the circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. And as we look at this incredible passage, it starts off the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God, the sky above proclaims His handiwork. And I want us to look at how the glory of God is declared. The first thing I want us to look at is declared by the stars. Now listen, I could do a lot more than just stars, but we're going to do stars today. Because I want to help you understand a little bit about how God speaks to you and just how awesome and magnificent this God is. Well, for some of you who, like me, are big into science, you may know what that is. That is the Milky Way galaxy. Now, listen, we don't have anybody standing outside the Milky Way to take a picture of it, okay? That's just how we think it looks. And when you start thinking about God's glory and how it's declared in the heavens, proclaims all his handiwork, I just get blown away by that picture behind me. Milky Way Galaxy contains over a billion stars. Now, in case you're not up on your science, 
and one of those bands spiraling outward, there's a tiny dot there, a real small tiny dot, that's the sun with all of its planets rotating around there that you can't even see. The sun is one little speck in the Milky Way galaxy. If you had a spaceship that could travel the speed of light, in case you forgot what the speed of light is, is over 186,000 miles a second. That's the speed of light. If you had a ship that could travel that fast, it would take you over 100,000 years to get from one end of the galaxy to the other. And that's just one of perhaps millions of galaxies that God has made. And I'll never forget when I was in Kenya, Africa, years ago on a mission trip, I was working with a missionary friend of mine who was um, working with the, the Turkana people, and he actually lived in the bush with them. So when they picked up and moved to find water, he picked up his family and he moved with them. So I uh, was out there with him, uh, and some other guys with me, and uh, we, got to, we got the privilege to sleep on the ground, no tent, no hut, just on the ground, mat and some covers. And at night, we're probably 50 miles from any kind of artificial light. And when I looked up at night, those stars were unbelievable. I'd never seen stars like that in my life. And listen, I'm the only guy on the mill hill that grew up with a little telescope. That's how much I like to look at the sky. I could barely see the moon in that telescope, but to me, I was seeing the whole universe. And so I just... I just praise the Lord looking at those stars. So one night I'd taken my glasses off because I was getting ready to go to sleep and uh, I've been looking at the stars for hours, I guess. And when I take my glasses off, that's it. I'm done. I can't even see the moon, you know. And so uh, I was about to sleep and, and then my buddy beside me, he says, Shannon, you better wake up. There it is. And uh, when I woke up, that's what I saw. Not necessarily that exact picture, but it was a lot like that. I said, what is that? He said, that's the Milky Way. You're seeing a portion of the Milky Way. Listen, I, I got chill bumps right now just thinking about what I saw. I couldn't go to sleep. I sit there and I just praise God because I had never seen his handiwork proclaimed like this. Blue me away. And some of y'all have seen that. Some of y'all have been places where you can see that. But for me, that was the first. It's still the only time I've ever seen it. And so when the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies above proclaim His handiwork, it's declared through the stars. All creation, especially the heavens and the sky, is an outstretched finger pointing straight to God. So it's declared in the stars. It's also declared by the sun as he writes about here in this passage. In case you want to know, temperature of the sun, 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Just think about that for a second. But yet, and it's 93 million miles away from us, positioned perfectly for us to have 
light, for us to have life, and for us to have sunrises and sunsets. Isn't that an amazing picture? Don't you wish you was there? God gives us 365 sunrises, 365 sunsets every year for us to declare His glory and see His handiwork. And there's nothing like a sunrise at the beach. I know many of y'all get up early to do that. It's incredible to think about the sun and what it does for us. God loves us and wants us to know Him. That he has put evidence of himself everywhere we look. And so when we talk about the glory of God in the skies, he's talking about his handy work. Someone once said, all creation is a wordless book. If you don't know what a wordless book is, it's, like the col- it's just nothing but colors, kind of like the color band that Victory Sports wears to share the plan of salvation. Someone said, all of creation is a wordless book that is visibly given to every hemisphere, every continent, every nation, every people. Creation is God's own personal autograph. This is what I have made. This is what I have done for you. Just stand back and be in awe. And for me, I'm blown away that people think that this organized, incredible world that we live in and universe and galaxy all just kind of came to be out of chaos as they teach with evolution. Paul said it real clear. Paul said, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. There is no excuse for anyone to look up, to see the heavens, to see God's handiwork and say there is no God or this just all came to be. There's no excuse for that. So, if you want to hear God speak, like I said, he often speaks visibly, not verbally. If you want to hear God speak, look up. Look up. Look up and see God's majesty and see God's power through his creation. And when you look up and you begin to see all his handiwork, I tell you what it does. It gives you new perspective on yourself. And all those big problems you think you have, they're not that big. You serve a God who did all that. Just spoke it into existence. I think he's powerful enough to take care of the problems in your life. Just look up. Look up. Get that perspective. Get that pity party. Remove that pity party and begin to just praise God. What an awesome and mighty and magnificent God he is. He's speaking to you. He wants you to look up. Look up and see him. Again, God speaks visibly, not verbally. But as we continue on this passage, I'll talk about the guidance of God in scriptures and how God speaks in his word. Follow along as I read these verses. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. More to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. And I believe we have the order in this book because the revelation of God in the skies prepares us for the revelation of God in the scriptures. So you see, the skies declare his mag- majesty and his mag- magnificent glory, his majestic glory, but the scriptures declare his amazing love and his amazing grace. And when we talk about God's word, there is nothing that meets the human need any better than God's word. No other book is like it. It's God's testimony. It's God's love letter that he has written to you. It is the owner's manual of how you are to live your life. God's word is where you can look and hear with your eyes the heart and the mind of God. It's where you can look and learn more about who you are. It's where we can learn about the rewards and the riches of God's Word. And this morning, I want to walk back through these verses real quickly and talk about some of the rewards that we have of God's Word, as it mentions here in these three verses, 7 through 9. First, it converts the soul. The Bible says in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect and reviving and converting the soul. It also communicates wisdom. Also in verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And in verse 8, we see that it cheers the heart. The precepts of the Lord are right and rejoicing the heart. Also in verse 8, it cleanses the eyes. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. In verse 9, we see that it consists forever. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And lastly, in verse 9, it champions righteousness. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. Just six quick rewards of God's Word. It converts the soul. It communicates wisdom. It cheers the heart. It cleanses the eyes. It consists forever, and it champions righteousness. You talk about communicating something with effectiveness. There is no other book like the Bible. The way it speaks to you, the job it does in helping you understand just who you are and who He is. But God's Word is amazing. Not only do we have rewards, but we also have the riches of God's Word. And before I get into the verses 10 and 11, I just got another picture for you. That's what I imagine when I think about the the richness of God's Word. Being alone with God's Word 
If you need a cup of coffee, I understand. I'm kind of that way too. Sitting down, quiet, nobody bothering you. You got to find the right time and the right place to do that. And just crawling up in your daddy's lap and saying, Daddy, I need you to talk to me. I got these problems in my life. I need you to, I need you to speak to me and I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen with my eyes as I read your word. And I promise you, God will speak to you. May not be exactly that morning, but you just keep doing it. God will speak to you because his word is so rich. It's so alive. It's the only book that every time you open up this book, the author is present to help you understand it. If you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit indwells you and allows you to understand this incredible, incredible book. But David says in verse 10 that it's desirable and valuable. Fine gold is what he compares it to. Fine gold is purified gold. It's gold that has been melted down and all the impurities have been removed. In David's day, this was considered the most precious of possessions. But David says here in verse 10, it is, the Bible, God's word, is more desired than fine gold. Let me ask you, can you say that God's word is desirable and valuable in your life? Is it, most, is it the most desired and valuable possession that you own? I'm afraid that if we're honest with ourselves, we're going to say this is my most desired, valuable possession. I can't live my life without this. And I see it more and more. See, people come to a restaurant, husband and wife, cross from each other, and they're doing their phone. Just put it up. If you want to hear from God, you might hear some from that. But here's where you're going to hear from God. God wants to speak to you. David said, it is the most desired and valuable possession that I own. And not only that, it is sweet and satisfying as he compares it to honey. And nothing was sweeter than honey, the taste of honey. David even declares that God's word is sweeter and more satisfying than the honey dripping from the honeycomb. Again, can you say God's word is the most desirable, the most valuable, the sweetest and satisfying thing that I own? That's where David was. He saw God's handiwork in the skies. He sees God's handiwork in the scriptures and how, these, how this word of God just speaks to him and it will speak to you, not maybe verbally, but listen with your eyes. Let God's word get a hold of you. So, is your Bible the most valuable thing that you own? Or does your Bible look something like this? Now, you may not have that much dust in your house. But the truth of the matter is, many people come to church, they got their Bibles, they look good, they go home, they toss that Bible to the side and don't look at it again until 
maybe the next time they go to church. God is trying to speak to you. He wants you to listen. He wants you to listen with your eyes by looking at God's word. When you open the Bible, ask the author, ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart to help you better understand what he's trying to tell you. He is speaking to you. And to hear God speak to you, as we saw in the first part of this psalm, we need to look up. To hear God speak to us in this middle part of the psalm, we need to look down. We need to look down at the precious word of God. God's words of instruction are given to us. God's words are desirable, valuable, sweet, and satisfying. Take time to hear God speak to you through your eyes by reading the word of God. And as we move on to the third part of this psalm, we see the goodness of God, the goodness of God in our soul. And God speaks to us in our hearts. And look at these verses. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And as we look at these last three verses, I think there are three things that we need to note about how God speaks to our heart through his word. And he does that through the inspection that God's word can do in your life. That's what it says in verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Well, I can't. And you can't. But the Holy Spirit, through God's word, can alert us to sin, can warn us of spiritual danger in our life. The Word warns us how to live, and the Word warns, war, warn, uh, the word warns us how not to live, and how to speak and not speak, and how to walk and not walk in a way that will honor Him. It's the Word of God that will speak to you if you will let it inspect your life. That's what we have to do. We have to take time and read God's Word. Let it inspect our life our lips, let it note the errors in our life. The Bible says these hidden faults that we have. And if we do that and we ask God to forgive us, confess that sin to the Lord, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess. If we do that, we can experience the powerful cleansing work of Jesus Christ his redeeming work on the cross that declares us, as it says in verse 12, innocent. You are innocent because not of what you've done, but because of what he has done. Now, I don't know about you, but I know what's inside this heart. And it's not all good. But the Word of God says, who can discern his errors and declare me innocent? from all my hidden thoughts. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Nobody else can do that. If you've never given your life to Christ, you will never experience this cleansing work that Jesus Christ can do in your life 
and declare you innocent. So that inspection of God's word allows us to to look at our lives, to see these hidden faults, to see these sins in our life. But there's also the intervention of God's word in verse 13. He talks about who's going to keep me back from all my presumptuous sins. And I want, you know, let them not have dominion over me. You know, when someone is, needs intervention in their life, they're in a bad environment. And y'all seen some of the shows or whatever. And they got to get that person out of that environment and get that person some help. They got to intervene or that person is going to continue to go down this road of destruction. Well, God's word can also intervene. And these presumptuous sins that it talks about, these are the sins that we willfully, knowingly do that are in direct disobedience to God. They're in defiance of God. And we need help from that. And only God's word speaking to you can intervene, intervene and make a difference and keep you off that path of making foolish mistakes after foolish mistakes. Examine your heart today. Ask God to reveal to you both the intentional and the unintentional sins you've committed against him. And then he goes to verse 14, which perhaps is one of the greatest verses in all God's word. And he talks about the inspiration of God's word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I know many of you have memorized that verse over the years. But we see in this incredible verse a prayer, a prayer that we should pray every day of our lives. Lord, let my life honor you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. And when you can honestly pray that and begin to see that in your life, you'll experience a form of godliness like you have never experienced before. And added to this incredible passage, it says that God stands as our rock. That stability that we all need in our life. I am so thankful for the rock that I stand on, the rock that protects me. He's also my redeemer, which is the deliverer. He has delivered me from the life of sin that I once lived. So Jesus Christ paid the price to set me free. He paid the price to keep me safe because he is my rock and he is my redeemer. And I encourage you, make that verse your prayer every morning. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see, the Bible, as we look at how it speaks to us, it's nothing but a mirror. It's a mirror that lets us see ourselves as God sees ourselves. You know, it's easy to compare yourself to someone who's going down the wrong road. You can say, oh, look how good I am. No, that's wrong. The Bible is here to help you see yourself as God sees you. Sometimes that's a little bit overwhelming when we think about that. So, God is speaking. Are you listening? God is speaking to you. And if you want to hear him, you got to look up. You got to look down. And finally, you got to look in. You got to look into your life and see what God is saying about your life. You know, it's amazing to me that God even speaks to us at all. 
Men and women are selfish sinners and oftentimes have no desire to take time to talk with God. We are so busy with all the business of this world. We got jobs, we got families, and I understand that you got to, those are important, but then we got phones and iPads and internet and TV and all these things the enemy just uses to keep you away from this book. So I'm amazed that God even speaks to us at all, as selfish as we are, yet God graciously continues to speak to us through his creation, through his scripture, and to our hearts. If God seems distant or silent to you right now, look up, look down, and look in, and let God speak to you. You know, exploring the universe and God's Word is an amazing, amazing thing to do. But exploring the God who made it all is even more amazing. And David Jeremiah, one of my favorite writers, he shared this uh, in, a, in a book years ago, or the, actually a devotion. And I want to kind of close with this to help you better understand who this God is. We've seen how he is, declares his glory in the heavens and proclaims his handiwork. And we see the, the scripture, the word of God, and how, how rewarding it is and how rich it is and how God speaks to us through inspection and inter intervention and inspiration. But Follow along with me as I read what David Jeremiah uh, writes in this closing thought. He says, our God is infinite. And right there, let me stop. You ought to underline that sentence. Our God is infinite. He is limited by no boundaries in time, space, or character. His qualities are bottomless. His attributes are are endless. His power is matchless. There is much about him we don't know, will not discover, and can never fathom. After all, if he were small enough to be comprehended, he wouldn't be large enough to be worshipped. He is infinite and eternal in all dimensions of his reality. And then it says, our God is intimate. And you ought to underline that. He's intimate. He encompasses us behind and before, beneath and above. He counts each footstep we take. Every hair on our heads from top to toe. We're fully known, fully loved, cared for by him today and tomorrow, both now and forever. You see, if he were infinite but not intimate, He'd be too vast to be known. And if he were intimate but not infinite, he'd be too weak to be helpful. He who counts the stars also knows our name and lifts our hearts. This amazing God is trying to speak to you. The question is, are you listening? Let's pray. Lord, as, as we look at this word, we're, 
Staying amazed at just who you are. And God, your work is all around us. It's everywhere for us to see. No matter where we are, your handiwork is always present for us to see. Lord, we thank you so much for your precious word of God. The word of God that can do so much in our lives because it's alive, it's rewarding, it's rich, speaks to our heart. And Lord, thank you that you reveal yourself in a way so that when we see it, Lord, we begin, begin to get perspective in our lives. Lord, we need to get our eyes off of our problems and our storms that we're in. Lord, we need to get our eyes off all the things of the world and get our eyes on you. Because, Lord, you are desperately speaking to us. Oftentimes, not verbally, but visibly. And I pray that, Lord, we would look up and see just how awesome and majestic you are. Look down and see the power of the Word of God and how it can change someone's life. And Lord, look in and let God change us so that we can be the child of God that you want us to be. So, Father, help us to listen. You're speaking to us. And, Father, I pray for those here today uh, that don't know you as Lord and Savior. Oh, Father, I pray you'd speak to their hearts. Lord, I pray that you would make them aware that they are a sinner on the path to hell, and only Jesus Christ can intervene and change their life. So, Lord, I pray right now, as we are kind of in a time of invitation, if you are speaking to someone, someone about their spiritual life, Lord, I'd invite them just to stand up and go back to this next steps area. We have people back there right now who'd want to speak to you, who want to help you better understand what it is to know Jesus Christ. Or if you're in desperate need of prayer and you need someone to pray for you, we got a room right back there where somebody can take you in there and pray with you. Lord, we all have difficult lives, but we have an amazing God. And I pray, Lord, that um, you would just move in the lives of us. Maybe there are those Sitting here today, you're looking for a church home, and, and uh, Lord, I, I, I would love for them to um, consider us. We're not a perfect church, but Lord, we're a church that's striving to please the Lord and making the, an impact in this world and in our community. And again, making us walk back to that next step area and talk to someone about what it means to join our church. Lord, we just, we just stand amazed at who you are. Lord, thank you that you are not a silent God, that you're not a distant God, that you are speaking clearly to us. Help us to be better listeners. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.